0: to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment, to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding.
1: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all Staying grounded, arriving into each day uh, with love and compassion for yourself, uh, giving yourself the permission to be human in all of this. Not easy times, but at the end of the day, being hard on yourself for not being perfect or not doing something or not having all the answers isn't going to help the situation. So make sure you're being kind to yourself and especially the people around you. And that's why I couldn't, I'm just so excited to be introducing this week's guest, my good friend, Mr. Jason Gaddis. So, Jason is an author, podcaster, speaker, entrepreneur, and the founder of The Relationship School, a world leader in the in relationship education. Jason leads the most comprehensive training in the world on intimate relationships and partnerships. His mission is to reach 1 million teens and young adults with formal relationship education. He's also the creator of interpersonal intelligence and trains people from all over the world how to be effective relational leaders and coaches. Married for 13 years with two beautiful kids, Jason lives and breeds relationships and is in the business of earning his relationship stripes every single day. Relationships are hard by itself, but being stuck (laughs) in the same household while you're quarantining or while you're isolated um, is even harder. Keeping up with relationships that you can't physically meet in person is even harder. And so right now, these are challenging times for relationships. You know, there's just when we're around people that we're not used to being around a lot, a lot of triggers may come up and a lot of chaos may ensue. But amongst all the chaos, there are also beautiful opportunities to create an indestructible partnership. And In this episode, that's really what we discover and what we talk about. Jason shares so many tips, strategies, and philosophies to ensure your love life can thrive even under pressure and chaos. And if we can learn to live, love, and accept our partners, our relationships, our kids, everyone in our lives fully through this chaos, then I think the world would be a better place. So can't wait for you guys to go through this episode. I learned a lot because this is something that I personally struggle with too. Me and my girlfriend are stuck inside of my 750 square foot apartment in Austin, which wasn't designed to have two people working in here, two people living in here at all times, two people needing space at all times. Jason's episode was so timely for me in learning how to navigate the relationship when we're on different paths, uh, how to keep the relationship thriving uh, during these difficult times, and even deeper concepts like why people take relationships for granted or what it means to learn how to love and and how can we focus on different aspects of the relationship to improve our own sense of self and, and our own values and what we, what we believe in. So this is a beautiful episode at An incredibly important time, and I hope you guys take a lot of gold from Jason's expertise. In fact, Jason even uh, we have all of Jason's links in the show notes, but he also gives all Stay Grounded listeners free access to his Indestructible Partnerships program, which I am personally going through. So if you're interested, uh, he shares how to get access to this towards the end of the episode. But you can also go to the show notes, and there's a link to go get access to the product, and there's a coupon code. The coupon code expires in a few weeks. So uh, he's doing this purely just because there's a lot of people being stuck in isolation right now and he's just trying to serve and help. So take advantage of that. I sure as hell am. And uh, yeah, get involved. I am, if you haven't already noticed, creating daily episodes on Stay Grounded, um, and I hope those are helping you guys. But if you feel called to watch these episodes live, if you feel called to be a part of a community that's sort of staying grounded together, I invite you to join um, the Stay Grounded free Facebook group. So go to rajana.com forward slash stay grounded, join the community, be part of the conversation, lean on each other, because in times like these, it's now more important than ever to be connected. Physical isolation does not mean social isolation. And that was one of the things that Jason mentioned on this podcast, and I loved it. And so it doesn't matter where you're finding your strength and friendships from. um, If you don't have that right now, if you're alone, Join the Facebook group, be part of the community, reach out, ask for help, allow yourself to be helped, and thrive as a result. So anyways, guys, enjoy this episode, uh, and uh, I hope you guys are staying grounded. So, But without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Jason Gas. Enjoy. Yo, 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 welcome everyone to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you're all trying to stay grounded in all of this chaos and all of this madness. And I am really excited, actually curiously excited, for how this conversation is going to go with my main man, Mr. Jason. How are you, brother?
2: Good, Raj. Great to be here, man. I'm stoked to uh, connect.
1: It's it's fascinating. I, I had a set of questions that I wanted to ask you before, but I feel like I had to throw all those out and ask even more targeted ones in this crazy time of really just our tools of communication are changing and our own conversations we're having with ourselves are changing and those are showing up and bleeding into our relationships. And so I wanted to just ask, I guess, in, in general, why do you think couples or people who haven't been around each other as much have so much trouble when they're thrown into this state of isolation where they're now forced to see each other all the time? Like what do you think actually creates the conflict or the, or the unease that many couples or families may be feeling when they're all cooped up together?
2: Yeah, man, it's an important question right now. I think first and foremost, you know, we're, the human species here is a little scared. We're, we're a little freaked out, right, understandably, given the state of affairs. So when you come into your relationship already, there's a the low-grade stress, let's say, before the coronavirus or the economy issue and you have stress in your relationship, and then you add the virus and the economy, now you have more stress. And then on top of that, new arguments and disagreements pop up. And now we're in confined space together. It's just, it's kind of a recipe for conflict for sure. But it's also how we're wired. You know, We're wired to detect threat and to be afraid when things trigger our survival. So naturally, people are a little on edge right now. And that makes for kind of crunchy conversations on the home front.
1: Yeah. So what's the, what's the appropriate way to sort of approach some of that tension and, and the crunch, if you would, or the friction when it shows up, right? Like, I don't know if there's even a right way or if there's maybe a practical way to look at this so that it can be useful for, for people.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing is to be aware of it and own it. So I got to be aware of it. And a lot of us, because we're so habituated to be being chronically stressed, we don't actually think we're stressed or we, we don't think we're, there's a problem here. But if we're not really talking to our partner and we're kind of getting irritable and short-tempered and short-fused around the house, to me, that says you're stressed. And you're stressed either about your relationship or the global situation or money or, or all three. And so if I can just say to my wife, for example, like last night we were in a snag, it's like, uh, honey, I'm feeling irritable. I'm feeling a little on edge. And I think it's because I'm stressed and I've got a little fear going on right now. That helps her relax because now I've put words to what she's already feeling in me. Mm. And now she's like, okay, that matches. He's not posturing over this. He's not saying he's great when everything actually, I don't feel that he's great. So that's relieving for her. And it was relieving for her. So It's almost like,
1: so can our partners sort of sense what we're feeling before we even say it.
2: Fuck. Yeah, absolutely. Think of two, <laughs> think of you and your partner as two animals, right? Below your um, neocortex and below your sort of human species, your Homo sapien is this animal that really is designed to procreate and protect itself and fight and get food and fuck. And you know, like that's what we're here to do as animals Yeah, And we haven't really kind of transcended that. That's just part of us. It's part of our wiring. So if I'm sensitive, let's say, uh, because of the situation right now, and I come home, my partner who I'm living with, we're pretty uh, habituated to kind of feeling each other's orbit. So I can kind of tell when you're in a bad mood. You can kind of tell when I'm angry, like something's off. We're not connected. One of us usually can tell that something isn't working here. That's our animals talking like our, my animal and your animal now are having this conversation. And I'm like a little scared to approach you because you, your porcupine quills are out and you don't seem that approachable, even though you're claiming you're fine, you know? So yeah, we have to learn to dance with the animal in us and the animal inside of our partner. And it's, I think it's really an, an amazing dance, but most people are, don't have this sort of educationist view and they get pretty irritated by the other person without having like compassion. Oh, they're just a fucking scared animal. It's okay.
1: Yeah, so there's almost like a separation between yourself and the animal. Does that separation happen once you become aware of it? Is that the first step to really sort of understanding that we have this animal inside of us that's very physiological in nature, with then yeah. this sort of egoic identity structure that either needs to be right or needs to, or, or, or has these fears or has these learned sort of structures and behaviors? So is the first step sort of becoming aware?
2: So it's kind of like this, like I'm walking around with my scared animal and we're fused together. And I don't actually think I have a scared animal going on. We're just merged together. And if I can pull off of myself and just have a little bit of witness perspective, witness consciousness and go, Oh, I'm acting like a five year old. Oh, right. I'm just scared. Oh, right. I'm I'm doing that thing again, where I get like fight, flight or free when I'm irritated by your tone of voice. Then we can go, oh, okay, I can have a little bit of sense of humor about it. I cannot take it so seriously. And then I can use my, the front part of my brain to take action and do something about it. Calm myself down, have a conversation with you, read a book, go on a walk, work out, something to help me like get back in connection with myself, which is where the juice happens when in a partnership or a good friendship is when we're connected to ourselves and our hearts. How do
1: we connect with ourselves when we're isolated with each other?
2: there's two ways, you know, you probably know of many like meditation or walking in nature or listening to some good music or playing music or dancing. Movement is really good. So these are ways that we can all connect to ourselves. I find though, one of my favorite favorite ways to connect to myself is through my partnership or through my kids. So if I'm off and I feel a little disconnected, that's again, it requires a certain amount of awareness. Like, am I disconnected right now? And that usually looks like a bad mood or funk or irritability. If I realize that I can be like, honey, I just need to connect with you so that I can get connected with me. Mm. And it's a, it's a really cool way. Or I could do it with a friend. I could say, Hey, let's do some eye gazing or let's, can we just like get super fucking real right now? Because authenticity is a lubricant for presence and it can bring us and pull us into more and more connection and more and more presence.
1: I love that. Authenticity is a lubricant for presence. It's almost like radical honesty and truth. It's the thing that cuts through the noise. So even if you're not like, is there a delicate way to be authentic? Or because I I feel like that's a big fear for some, including myself, like if I'm truly being authentic, sometimes I may come off as an asshole. Right? Like, and so like, is there like, what's the dance between being authentic to what you're feeling and who you are? And and kind of having grace uh, with your authenticity, like the way you just explained what you just said was very graceful. And I can see that leading to a very, like, very intimate and connected experience. But so how do you sort of like distinguish between authenticity? Uh, How do you just create that level of sort of almost like graceful authenticity, if you would?
2: Well, you and I need to be in a partnership, again, if we're talking about like, say a partnership, or even a friendship, that we have a context that we're, we're operating inside of, which is let's have a growth mindset here. Let's understand that our relationship is, is here to help us grow and evolve and become the best versions of ourselves possible. If we have that kind of mindset, then you and I aren't going to shy away from conflict. If we have mm. a context on the other hand, that's like, let's be comfortable and be happy. We're probably going to have a lot of conflict because we're going to keep avoiding the hard conversations because we want to keep getting, getting back to pleasure and avoiding pain. Uh, I think the most graceful way is just uh, from our heart, if at all possible, to say what is true. And usually if it's from our heart, there's not, even if the other person gets their feelings hurt, it isn't like hurtful on our end. We're not like trying to be mean. We're not trying to shame someone. We're just saying what's true. Like, look, I got to be vulnerable here. I feel really fucking angry with you right now. And I'm judging you a lot. Let's just say I said that if I'm coming from here and not fear and blame, maybe and hopefully my partner or friend is going to be more likely to receive it. Mm. And then we can open up a dialogue. Well, shit, thanks for being honest at least. Versus holding back and judging them silently and holding anger in my jaw and my body and not bringing it to the table. Like that's that's problematic.
1: Yeah. What about relationships that may have one party who's really growth oriented and the other one that may not be, or maybe we are both growth oriented and one person's on a, on a different vibration or sort of like feeling level than the other, or like, let's say one's having a really good day and one's having like, you know, like when, when that match isn't happening, how do you approach this in a way that doesn't necessarily create pain or not pain, but how it doesn't damage something in a a long-term manner?
2: Yeah, it's an important question. I think I heard two questions there. So I just want to tackle the first one. One is like, if you're with someone who's not so much into growth, that's one question. The other one is if we're just not vibing and not on the same page. Um, If I'm, again, you and I are in a relationship, you're not growing, let's say, and I am, then we get into conflict, which is inevitable in a long-term relationship, long-term friendship, business partnership. We will have conflict. And hopefully, because otherwise we're doing something, we're, we're being inauthentic probably. So if we have conflict, again, it's in the context of this isn't a problem. But if you are like, it is kind of a problem and I don't really want to look at my shit and I don't really want to get some coaching here. I'm not that open to feedback. I know I don't want to listen to podcasts. No, I don't want to read books. I'm going to feel very frustrated over and over again because you won't meet me halfway in solving the problem. Yeah. And you might even be really fused to your perspective, which is I'm the problem. But if we both grow, that automatically means we're willing to look in the mirror and say, what is my part? Like, raise our hand. Okay, here's my part, Raj. What's your part? This is what I think's happening. What do you think's happening? Uh, And we can kind of together stand side by side and look at the problem instead of being across the table from each other, kind of going at it. I don't find that relationships where one person isn't growing, those are not relationships that do well long-term where there's fulfillment. They can work, but most likely there's not fulfillment in that relationship.
1: Well, what allows those relationships? So let's say somebody's in a situation where they don't want to end it, right? Like for whatever yeah. reason, like whether it's culturally, there could be a cultural tie to whether it's shame if they ended a relationship or anything like that. Like, so they're in it and they want to make the most of it. What's a way that they can get to a level of fulfillment? Is it really as simple as like, Kind of reframing it when you approach things and saying, Hey, this isn't me against you. This is us against the problem and kind of approaching it that way. Or is it, is there another sort of way to have these conversations? So cause I know a lot of people are afraid of, I mean, I, like if I think about Indian culture, right? Yeah. Indian culture is in Asian culture in general is like, once you marry somebody, you're with them for life. And okay. there's a lot of, people who are, who prescribe to that and they believe in that for whatever reason, even if they're unhappy. Yeah. So how can people maybe try to find a way to make it work when they're in that situation?
2: So two things here. Uh, one is we got to talk in their values. And the other one is usually if one person is, what did you say? They're not, they're not blaming, but they're.
1: Maybe they don't want to have conversations Like maybe they want, they don't want to face themselves. Like they don't, they want yeah. to be naive or they want to, stay stuck in the shit or really whatever it might be there could be a million different reasons why that's happening but
2: so it's it's just really frustrating to be in a relationship with this person and then they it's frustrating for them because they feel judged and criticized all the time yeah cuz the other person's trying to change them right so one of the things that i see as effective that can work is if i speak to the person's values so like this this is the thing we have to, to kind of remember about growth, the growth mindset, if we're gonna talk about it that way, is I may be very into growth in a category of my life that you are not in. So you might be really into relationship and psychology and I might be really into sports and finance. And those are two very different conversations, but I, let's say, listen to a lot of podcasts on it. I like to learn about sports. I like to learn about all the players and the coaches and their track records you don't care about that, but you care about growing and evolving, et cetera. You could speak to me in my values and say, look, if you want to have a good relationship, honey, this will actually, like, if you work on this with me, our relationship, it'll actually help you remember your financial numbers, remember your sports teams, remember the things about you care about more because you're going to have me off your back. We're going to work through yeah. things quicker so that you can get back to what you love to do, which is finance and sports. So I, I have to actually sell relationship work or growth or coaching or something like that through their values. And if I do that, the other person is more likely to open up and be receptive. If I try to put my values on onto them and say, you should like relationship stuff in psychology, that's going to backfire.
1: Man, it's, it's almost like it, it comes back to, I'm not trying to win the battle. I'm trying to win the war. Right. Like it's letting go of the short term sort of, again, ego boost or the, the, the thing that makes you right or the thing that got you that boost of like, ah, I knew it. Ah, it's like I'm the one that knew I had all the answers. And it's almost putting that aside for a second so that you're optimizing the relationship for an end state or results or maybe something you want to accomplish. So it really is a little bit of game theory in a way
2: there's, I mean, there's like a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to manipulate my partner. I don't want to sell to them. I'm like, well, you are selling to them. Like, if you want to get your point across, you need to convey it in a way they can understand. Would you rather have them understand you or would you rather just like prove your point and have them not understand you? So we actually have to like think a little bit about how we communicate with other people, especially someone who we want to come along the ride that we're on. You know, that's going to require some enrollment, uh, like an enrollment conversation or many, right? To say, hey, no, no, this is actually going to be good for us. It's going to be good for even better for you and what you love if we go over here together.
1: I think there's a certain level of effort that most people forget that goes into having a very productive and thriving relationship. Like, I think, you know, people yeah. may, they may listen to this podcast and try one thing and then be like, man, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. This didn't work. So how do you sort of build the mindset to be proactive in relationships. So I think that's something that even, I I mean, for sure myself, like, I mean, I, there are periods in time where I'm super great and I'm super proactive, but then there are other times where I just get super busy or I, I start taking things for granted. So like, is there, are there habits or like maybe mindsets or systems or anything practices that you follow to keep yourself kind of proactively on the wheel to foster a relationship that grows with you over time?
2: Yeah, totally. Great question. I I think, again, first mindset and then maybe a tool. Mindset part is I I like to challenge people in our courses, like, look, whatever you're good at in your life, you're probably good at something, right? So listener, pick something you're good at, right? And just think about that for 10 seconds and think how long you've probably been putting time and energy into that thing. Could be music, dance, uh, art. Be business, whatever your thing is, you've probably been at it for a long time to reach the level of mastery or certainty that you have. That took work. So, if you want a great relationship, it's going to be an earning process a process of earning security, earning strength, earning the commitment, and earning an awesome, fulfilling partnership. It's going to take time and effort and energy. So I think that's really important because some people expect to be on the summit tomorrow if they meet the right person or find the one, and that's the fantasy that creates a lot of shame for people. It's just that's just a fantasy. Um, you pick the person you're with, and for whatever reason, here you are, and it's challenging. Great, it's an opportunity to grow, and if you have the growth mindset, it's not a big deal. It's like let's grow together. So and then, in terms of a tool to kind of maybe ground that a little more, if we have this mindset of like, right, it's gonna, I'm gonna earn this, I, I like to ask my wife for feedback. I also like to remind myself every day, I'm earning my relationship that's great with my wife and kids every day. I'm earning that. It's not given to me. In any moment, my kids can cut me off, write me off, shut me out, blame me. Same with my wife. Just because we have a great relationship doesn't mean it's going to stay that way, right? If I can, again, mindset of I'm earning this every day, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to like prove myself. It's not about proving yourself. It's about demonstrating to the other person through your daily actions that you give a shit about them.
1: Yeah. Dude, that's so important. That's such an important reframe because I, I do think that especially with like parents and kids, like, you know, in, in Indian cultures, it's like you do everything for your kids. And then when the parents get older, it's like, it's the roles are flipped like the kids do everything for the parents and there's a lot of shame and expectation and me and my dad have worked through all of our shit so we're amazing friends now and awesome but like okay. there there was a period in time where that was a thing like it's it's hard to almost like this the sense of ownership in relationships is why it, why do people take relationships more than anything else for granted like i don't see people taking jobs for granted i don't see yeah. people taking like other things. Like, like I don't see people taking, like, I feel like the majority of the population seems to take relationships for granted over just about anything else. Do you, do you know why?
2: I mean, I don't know exactly why. It's a really good question. I, I have my own theory, which is that the brain human brain stops developing if it's not worked out at age 24. And if you'll notice and you look around, most people, by the time they get out of college, that's when they stop growing. They find the job, they get the routine, and they start staying stuck. And they're actually not flexing the muscles to create psychological resiliency in their brain by pushing themselves through adverse conditions to do new things. So people get really stuck. And then the other thing about the brain is it likes to automate human beings. So it likes Mm. to predict because of its threat detection system. It likes to predict, okay, if I can figure out Raj, then I can relax. So as soon as I have you in a box and I have you figured out, I can relax over here and I don't have to think about you anymore because I don't want it. I don't want you to be a threat to me. So that's what we do with other people. And we do that to our long-term partners most often. Um, People that we have long-standing relationships with. We have them, we kind of have it in our head that, yeah, I've got them figured out. I kind of know them. But the truth is my wife's an ever-evolving mystery. She's an ocean. I have no fucking clue who she is tomorrow. If I take that kind of beginner's mind, I'm in a much better relationship than, oh yeah, my wife's this way and she's that way. I just don't think it's good for us.
1: So like, let's say any of us listening, including myself, are in that space where we do sort of have these pre preconceived notions about our partners, which are stopping us from sort of having that beginner mindset. Like, what's a wash that I can do? Is there like a, is it as simple as kind of reminding myself every single day or like, because that seems like something that I would try selling myself on, but I would just be like, you're full of shit, right? Like, no, this is not like, you know, I would just, I know myself and I would talk myself out of it. So like, how do you sort of Take someone like me and, and, and convince them or even show them how to really adopt this.
2: Again, my first step is always own it. So look your partner in the eyes and just say, honey, I've got you in a box. I, I think I know who you are and I think I have you figured out and that's making me lazy over here. Like if you could own that with her, that'd probably feel pretty good to her. It'd feel kind of bad on the one hand, but also good because it's like, thank you for owning that and not wanting to squash me in and box me in. Like I, I want to be a lot bigger than that to you. And so then it opens up and invites a a much larger conversation about, yeah, it seems like we've gotten a little stale or stuck and I want to, I want to take more risks in our relationship. Are you willing to do that with me? Like, this is one of them. Can we do this right here and get more honest and real about right now, what's going on right now in this moment? Because the moment is really juicy, I think. So you could just like get real in that moment with your partner is one example talk about how it really is and what you really think of each other.
1: Dude, the awareness to even recognize that you can have that conversation, I think, is phenomenal. Noticing that in you, like that that awareness is pretty amazing. How did you develop that awareness in yourself? Honestly, in my mind, it wouldn't even be something that came up. Like right. unless until I heard this, and now I'm like, oh shit! This makes yeah, that's duh. Like that's actually a beautiful way to say that, right? right? Like, but like, how did you build the awareness to even catch yourself before you like before you slip?
2: Yeah, I mean it's you know it's years of this is what I teach obviously, and it's years of of self reflection and meditation and working on myself. That's oh, I'm always asking myself what, how could I see this differently? How can I see myself differently? What story am I caught into right now that's bullshit? What narrative is keeping me stuck right now? And then. We all have those kind of dialogues that if we're growing, we can kind of get really curious about ourselves without a lot of self-shaming. Or if we're self-shaming, we can bring that into the conversation. Huh, why am I shaming myself right now? What's the big deal here? And then if we bring that out into a relationship and just have that internal conversation with another person and just bring it out in the open, I found it's a, it's very electric. It's very alive. Most people are leaning forward instead of back, uh, has people check in instead of check out because we're being so fucking honest. And I think people are starving for that, man. We're because we're, yeah. we're medicating all the time, right?
1: We're medicating ourselves out of presence, which is really interesting because, you know, even the way you describe presence is pretty electrifying. What do you think is so electrifying about the present moment?
2: Well, I mean, from all the spiritual traditions I've studied, and and you probably know this too, it seems like in some ways we could say it's like the only thing going on, right? And it's the only thing that's really true is what's happening right now, not yesterday, not tomorrow. What's true is in this moment, my breath is going in and my breath is going out. That's true. Fact. I can't argue that. Um, And there's something about that that creates with another human being that creates so much magic if we can find that together. And that's, the most amazing sexual experiences that most of us have ever had are in that moment. Yeah, They're not like we can all have good sex and be in our head, be thinking about someone else or somewhere else. And it can still be enjoyable, but to have like a, a really profound sexual experience that's happening in the now it's just in the now and in, an experience in nature. That's like the sunset or that talk with a friend when everything just time falls away and we start just going, I mean, I remember when when we met, we had a, we were at a dinner table with lots of distracting okay. things, but there was a way in which you and I, for a couple moments there, we could lock in and really feel the connection, right? I felt yeah. that anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, like, man. It starts to, everything else starts to just the noise and everything starts to fall away because we are coming more and more into presence and it's just, it's captivating, you know?
1: So this might actually be a layup for the next question then, just off of that. But so let's say there's been a relationship that's been drifting for years, right? Yep. It's been, I mean, it's these like, They both know it hasn't been working. There's discussions of divorce and neither people are really listening to each other. How do you turn that relationship around? Is it as simple as just locking into presence because in presence, time doesn't matter? Or is there like a, like how, how does one even approach that situation?
2: Yeah, again, mindset is both parties have to be willing. Like both parties could come to the table and say, look, we've kind of sucked at, making this relationship awesome. Here's my part. Here's my part. This is what we've done. This is what we haven't done. Okay, cool. We've acknowledged that. We have two choices. Should we end this fucking thing? Or do you guys, do you want to take it to the next place and see if we can find the next place together? And if the other person's like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's game on. The only thing stopping people from an outstanding fucking relationship is a willingness to create it. That's the single biggest thing I see getting in people's way is, is just the willingness. If you have a willing human being that's your partner, you can do just about anything together. But they have to be willing at every fucking step. Are you willing to try this? All right. Are you willing to learn conflict? Are you willing to take a class with me? Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to do that? They're a yes. Man, the two of you, it's like unbelievable what's possible. So I would start with, for that couple, it's like, get fucking honest. Come to the table and say, do we want to change this? Together because one of you might, and the other one's kicking the tires, then uh, it's not maybe that possible. But if both of you come to the table saying, Let's transform our relationship, it's, uh, it's cool what happens.
1: I think everybody's willing to work for something. Something it may not be the relationship, but it may be something. Yeah. But that's because they recognize the upside that comes from that something, right? So, like, maybe it's just a lack of awareness around the upside of a really powerful relationships? Like why should people be willing to work it out?
2: Oh, dude, that's a great question because so many people don't, because people grew up in homes usually that didn't, where relationships didn't go well or they were just like, okay, or they were just part of the fucking wall fixtures. Yeah. That's really different than seeing and valuing relationships as unbelievably like game-changing for your life. Like I teach that a relationship, like a partnership is a home, It's a safe harbor and it's a launching pad. And if you can create that with another person, you know, it's just what it is, just what it said. Like I can come home after I get beat up by life and I've got someone that's got my back. And then when I kind of lick my wounds and I'm ready to go out and meet the challenges in my life, I've got someone cheering me on saying, you got this, I believe in you. And then I go out and I go conquer my challenges. That's fucking incredible. You cannot have that on your own. It's not possible. And the saying's cliche, but we can do more than we can alone we can do more together than we can alone. Right. That's where it's at. I mean, but you have to actually learn how to create that kind of magic. It doesn't just come because, you know, you met the right person or it doesn't, it, it doesn't not happen to you because there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're lovable just as you are, but you have to with another person collaborate and learn how to love. And then man doors open.
1: When you say learn how to love, what does that mean?
2: It means a lot of people confuse love with infatuation. We fall in love. That's not love. That's infatuation. That's just nature's trick to get you to procreate. It's a good trick, but it lasts six months to two years, and then it's gone. Drugs wear off. Reality sets in, and this person is a pain in your ass, and you start seeing their shadow and their dark side and their true colors, and you're like, I want out. This is what I did for 10 fucking years, by the way. And that's not love. Love is learning how to accept someone as they are without trying to change them. That's work. That's fucking hard. That's parenting. That's loving your parents. That's like, can you really, really love someone as they are without needing to change them at all? It's difficult to do, especially if you're really attached to your values and beliefs.
1: There's two, I guess a two-pronged thing right there. Like having beliefs are important right? And having beliefs and values are important. That's an important part of you being a productive member of society. So how do you sort of dance between being attached to something that creates value in one area of your life? Do we need a different set of values in relationships versus business or like a different set of values in health versus, you know, relationships? Like, I guess, like, is it, is it not fair to just have a set of values that are common denominators across every part of your life? Or do we need to be more granular?
2: That's a good question. I think, I think, um, Evan Pagan's quote kind of bring, it brings up Evan Pagan's quote that, um, you probably know who he is, right? Marketer guy. So he said in a business, you can farm out your weaknesses in a relationship, you work on them. So I think that's really true. Like in a partnership, I can't delegate listening to someone else, like a therapist to my wife so that she feels better. That's my job. I want my wife to feel understood by me, not a fucking therapist. Right. Yeah. So I got to learn, I got to develop the value of understanding her. Whereas at work, I can be over here and I can maybe not care about my employees or whatever, delegate that out to a senior manager so I don't have to deal with it. But maybe there's a shared value there of working hard or caring about people or there could be shared values there, but I'm trying to make the distinction between in different areas of our life, different muscles and different weights are going to be you know, required to be lifted to get the result we want.
1: Man, you're uh these shared values, I'm like just really curious around this because there I feel like the pull, the push and pull in relationships, like the the part like I feel like there's there's it sounds like release right now, there's two types of work that needs to happen for any relationship to thrive. One is actual like working on the relationship. And then the second part is it's like working on yourself and being aware Mm -hmm. of when there's like unmet needs from childhood that are bleeding into your relationship and that's creating expectations or unfair judgments or, or needs that just aren't serving. So like, how do you begin to pinpoint with precision where to focus your attention so that you're actually moving all of the needles in the right direction, as opposed to maybe like, especially with two people, I feel like that's a complicated thing to do because we're both dancing. I think you use that word dance, which I really liked. Like we're both dancing our own dances and then now we're together. We're trying to dance together when we're, we've been taught how to dance differently or we've, it's just, I feel like there's, there's so much happening. How do you focus yourself in that?
2: Again, I'm going to start with mindset. It's kind of broken record here, but, um, Venn diagram, right? Uh, there's going to be in a relationship, a little in a Venn diagram, there's crossover in our values. Like ideally, if we're too polarized in our values, I mean, intimacy creates polarity naturally. So you're going to attract your opposite in your life. However, you want to have enough crossover in your values that you have shit in common that you love to do together. It could be a hobby. It could be work that you work together. It could be parenting. But as long as there's enough crossover that you're both the hell yes to, those relationships tend to work out well. And then in terms of the dance of what's really different about me and different about you and what you value... These are things to be celebrated and to learn, again, learn how to love. Like, can I love you even in that weird, awkward thing that you do that I judge? And can I learn to love you in the things you value, even though I completely don't value those things? That's, that's a relationship, right? If you, if you really want to not do that dance, then definitely don't get in a long-term relationship. I don't recommend, I say this a lot, I don't recommend marriage to anyone unless you want to fucking grow like a weed and learn a lot about yourself.
1: I mean, there's people that may get married without having that mindset.
2: Yeah, true. There's a lot of people. <laughs> That's, I, I would say the majority of people getting married do not get married with that mindset. They're not listening to me. They're not listening to me. <laughs> they're just doing what their culture fucking told them to do, and then they're miserable in five years or ten years. Yeah. So they're just be... getting by because they don't want to be alone. You know.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's such a muscle. Like I'm, it's such a muscle that has to be built, and I think it's really refreshing to hear that we are not born with these muscles. I think that's the most refreshing part for me. It's that it doesn't matter where you are, where you come from. Like at the end of the day, like you got to put in the work and it is worth it. I mean, I, the ecstasy of a, of a great relationship is worth it. Absolutely. I think maybe people are afraid that they'll, even if they put in all the work, they'll never get it. What do you say to individuals that may have that fear?
2: I just say that you, that's okay. Makes sense. You have a fear and you have more to learn. This is this is accessible and available to pretty much anybody, unless you have like a severe head injury, brain damage. You know, there's certain people, certain realistically here with with disabilities that autism perhaps uh, could be in a very different kind of long-term relationship than what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about kind of heteronormative, sort of yeah. just standard person here. It's accessible to all of you, absolutely. Just mm. you haven't learned yet. You Man. haven't learned how. And there's yeah. two things like people people react and then there's pro there's proactive and reactive learning and reactive learning is usually band-aids shit we're in the shitter let's fix this proactive is like okay i've been trying for 10 years to figure this out i can't do it so i'm going to go learn a map a system a bunch of tools and i'm going to apply it to our relationship and see if it works and i'm more obviously for, I, I like reactive sometimes that's fine but as a strategy it's not a good strategy
1: no i mean well Okay, well, let me ask, I want to dive there for a second, because I found that with personal development, it has, like, it, I'm proactively aware, but really, like, I only work on the thing that's triggering me in the moment. So if I get triggered by a situation, right, yep. because I'm naturally a growth-oriented person, like, if I put myself in a situation, I get triggered, I don't try fixing the world, I just focus on what's in front of me. So in that sense, like, I am a bit reactive. So, like, how do you Kind of balance I guess like the reactive nature of of like what's in front of you with I guess the holistic picture of like, oh, I want to fix everything, I want the upset, I want to be a ten out of ten in every area
2: yeah, good question the I think you're asking about like something I do as well it's like we react to the moment, and that's to me very resilient, very adaptive, hopefully everyone has that ability to to do that and to act that way, and if you keep seeing repeat patterns in your life that hurt and don't work for you, that's when it tells you that's a limited strategy. If you just rely on that to get you empowered in relationships, for example, you probably won't get there, you know, unless you embrace kind of a bigger like map. It doesn't mean the whole of life. It just means, okay, relationships, I want to bite off this for the next 10 years of my life because I want to master this thing then it's like, cool, I'm making a 10-year commitment to get very good at this. And I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to study with great teachers. I'm going to find good mentors. I'm going to pay money. I'm going to get in a community and surround myself with people who are in the same conversation so I can excel quicker. That's a strategy, right? That's someone who's really going to probably guarantee they're going to get a different result.
1: I mean, the timeline is important. I think that's what made it, what you just said, that was the most helpful thing for me was just recognizing that you're not trying to fix your relationship overnight. You're setting a timeline and saying, look, I'm dedicating to this because I want this. It's not even about the destination. It's about the journey of just improving every single day. And that beginner's mindset, which you can remind yourself consistently that all of this can be taken away from you and that you have to earn your stripes every single day. And I think there's so much power in that realization. And it can also feel pretty triggering. Like like I said, like the proving... Like, right. It's like the, I have to prove myself. Like this is the one place in my life that I didn't, I thought I could just be accepted as I am. There's like, you know, like there's like that, that duality right there that I'm hearing right now that feels that itself could be just a very growth field journey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I've been married 13 years and I'm still working on it and I will work on it until I'm dead uh, because I want to have a great marriage and just like a great business, you know, this, you have to, you never stop working on the business or in the business or whatever your kind of view is. You have other people, you hire the best people. Like you're never going to kind of stop unless you want to change gears and like date another, start another business and sell that one. And, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just a constant, steady chipping away and improving. I think.
1: Well, what's important to recognize is that even if you did leave your relationship and go to another one, it's the same shit. Right. Like you may have that, that infatuation that, right. Like, yeah, it's the drug may last for what, six months to two years, but then it's the same thing. And until you start really embracing that, that, that truth that you are the common denominator in all of this, uh, it doesn't matter if it's this relationship or the next 10, it's, you're just going to be a broken tape recorder.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Well said,
1: man, Jason, you're a fucking rock star, dude. Um, like, <laughs> uh, I need Sorry to,
2: question. Man. No, Sorry. man, this
1: is this has been so illuminating, and I think it's so timely right now, with everyone being sort of isolated together, and it's forcing conversations that haven't been had to have. Like, really, like, like these are these are conversations and efforts that could have been swept underneath the rug in any other period, but right now, right, like, even if you're ready, whether you're ready or not, like, you're here. You're spending all yeah. this time together and it's like all either, this time. <laughs> either shit or get off the pot kind of thing. Like it's like, and you can't get yeah. off the pot cause you're all isolated. So
2: like, yeah. it's like, you're just, you just got to learn. This is the time to learn. Totally. Yeah. And there's, I, I want to speak to this piece around isolation too, and just help us reframe, you know, we're, we're talking about social distancing someone else had a reframe at my kid's school that I thought was great, which is no, we're not socially uh, distancing. We're physically distancing. We want to socially stay very connected. You know, I was like, yeah, good call. One of his, my son's teachers. And now I'm like, right. And we're also up against isolation kills. People that are lonely, is, it's more lethal than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. And it's more lethal than obesity. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for all the single people at home, isolating, kind of shutting their doors. I'm like, that's not good for people, right? So this is where we need to rely on things like Zoom and Skype and WhatsApp and Foxer and all these different cool apps that we can have, where we can stay connected to other humans. I think that's life giving. Like we we are social mammals; we need to be connected to other people.
1: I'm really glad you brought that up. The distinction between physical distancing and social distancing—absolutely, your emotional tank needs to be filled with people. It's funny though; it's it's like in all of this, I feel like. I finally got into a place where this I'm starting to see the gifts that are coming from all of the crap that's coming around us. Like I've talked more with my parents over the last week than I have, you know, in the last few months. Like, like, you know, like I'm I'm calling friends I haven't kept up with in ages. It can be it's it's not a beautiful thing all around, but it can be a beautiful thing if you use this as an opportunity to sort of lean in to the discomfort and own, like you've said this entire episode, really own the responsibility you have to be better, to pick up the slack where you haven't been picking up the slack and just show up as, as the version of yourself that you've always wanted to be but you had excuses or reasons or situations that kept you from it. Okay. I don't think there's ever been a better time. Jason, I want to learn everything and anything about relationships from you. How the hell do I do that? Um and, uh, right and teach me, dude.
2: <laughs> how? Yeah, cool, man. So we can be found at uh, therelationshipschool.com dot com is my website, and we have lots of things going on there. We have, you know, I got tired of complaining that I was never taught conflict or relationship in school, and so I created a school and created classes that I would have loved to have had in college that helped me with like how to win and succeed in a long term relationship. So we do a nine month training, and we eventually train coaches. We we have over 40 certified relationship coaches now that are for hire. You can check them out on our website and then we sell, you know, products just to get you going. Uh, we have a free Facebook group, you know, we've we got a lot going on, but relationshipschool.com is where to find us. And on the podcast, our podcast is called the relationship school.
1: Do you have any courses that we can take advantage of while we're isolated yeah, or not. physically distanced from, uh, from others? And I have all this free time to just learn.
2: Yeah, exactly. There so people are gonna have a lot of that, right? And rather than watch Netflix, which is fine, you could kind of titrate that maybe with some learning. Yeah. And I have a class that I'd love to share with your crew. It's called Indestructible Partnerships. Now, if you're single, don't get scared off. You don't take this with a partner, you can take this alone. And it's really about you getting better at two things, conflict and communication. So a lot of the classes are just designed so that you can learn how to listen better. Cause look, we all know how to talk and listen but not all of us know how to talk and listen under stress. That's when it gets hard and that's when we suck. So this class is really designed to help you under stress, in conflict, communicate well and listen well. Yeah, and for your folks, uh, I just want to give it to you for free. We just did a special with just trying to help people in the world, giving it to them for free. And that's, by the time this comes out, that'll be expired. But for your people, we'll create a special coupon code.
1: Maybe we call it uh, Stay Grounded. Oh, wow. How'd you come up with that one, dude? (laughs) Must <laughs> have really flexed the brain on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'm super appreciative, and I know that that will be very well received by our listeners, and I'm including myself. I'm I'm just excited to dive in, man. This has been such a a refreshing reminder, just personal responsibility and and ownership, and and uh, I just appreciate the way you show up and 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 the things you stand for, my man.
2: Cool, thanks, man. Thanks for uh, being a cat that's interested in this kind of conversation and being willing to help humanity in the way that you do. It's really, really inspiring.
1: Oh, love brother. I got one last question for you in the midst of all the chaos and everything that's happening in your life. How do you stay grounded?
2: <sighs> Three things come to mind in this moment, meditation, playing with my kids. They're nine and 11 and connection with my wife. Dude.
1: That just, I just, I love the, it's just, it's, it's inspiring, man. It's inspiring. Like I've personally, like I've found that the way I stay grounded is all solo. It's like it's things mm. that are solo, whether it's, you know, being healthy or like listening to music or deep breaths or meditation and, or walks in nature. I just love the, I love the possibility of being able to have something that can create so much safety in myself with others. Like, I think that's mm. just a beautiful, that's, that's a beautiful, place that i am grateful that i know exists now because i did not realize that that was a thing and so um yeah yeah man cool Thank man. You.
2: that's what i'm taking a stand for yeah
1: yeah you're, you're you're the man all right well everybody uh that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj this is your new friend jason and from us stay grounded we'll chat soon sure.